Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Empath has become kind of a hot, trendy word the last couple of years, but for a good reason. It's true. It's real. You know that feeling when you're having a really good day, but then maybe you're around someone who's really scared or they're having a bad day and then you feel bad, you're absorbing their emotions, their feelings, their fears, you're taking on those symptoms. That is an empath. So Judith Orloff today on the show is gonna teach us how to survive and thrive as an empath. This is the ultimate empath survival guide. So Heal Squad, I know a lot of you are empaths. Take notes and please share with a friend or a family member, someone else who you think could benefit. We love you. Oh, and if you love the episode, please leave us that five-star review and rating. It means the world to us. We love you, Heal Squad, and enjoy the show. Our guest today is a psychiatrist, an empath. She's on the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty. Dr. Orloff is a New York Times bestselling author and also specializes in treating empaths and highly sensitive people in her LA-based private practice. Today, we're focusing on her book, The Empath Survival Guide, where she focuses on tactics for empath sensitive people and really all of us in general, as well as teaches us what to do with toxic energy and emotional vampires. Without further ado, here is Dr. Orloff. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. I am so excited because The Empath Survival Guide, I didn't even know I needed it until I read it last night and I know so much more about myself now and I understand so much more and... Um, I think it's going to help a lot of people. I'm sure it's already helped so many people. It's Um, a revelation to find out you're an empath. I'm a psychiatrist and an empath, so I combine my psychiatric skills with being an empath. An empath is an emotional sponge and somebody who absorbs the energy and emotions and even physical symptoms from other people. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people don't realize they're empaths and they walk around with all these symptoms or all these fears or all these emotions that aren't their own. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the book to offer people skills and how to be a beautiful, sensitive, intuitive, loving, powerful empath and not take on the stress of the world. Yeah, it's funny when you say sensitive, because that's the word 
that has been used for so many people. You're so sensitive. You right. know, you got a thick <laughs> skin and blah, blah, blah. And you're changing kind of the whole view of that. Oh, yeah. Sensitivity is a gift. Being different is a gift. And we need to embrace these qualities instead of feeling shame or that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. um, I was brought up by two physician parents and I was an, a little empath. And my mother, who was a physician who knew science and knew the physical body, you know, would say to me, you know, you need to become more armored. You need to have a thicker skin. And as a child, that's very demoralizing to hear. It felt like there was something wrong with me that I had to change, that I couldn't change, that I didn't want to change. And so children, empathic children, often get these negative messages. They carry their entire lives with them. And how do you get thicker skin when you're a little kid? <laughs> yeah. Like, how constructive is that? <laughs> it, it's not, but my mother loved me, and she was doing her best. She didn't want me to be considered, quote, weird. Mm -hmm. That was always her big thing. Or different. Mm -hmm. And I always was. You know, I always, you know, went on the road less traveled. I always was different. I never went with the masses. And that's just my nature. I mean, mm -hmm. it's neither better nor worse than anyone else, but it's just who I am. But she didn't want that in her daughter. She wanted somebody to go down the straight and narrow and, and not be so sensitive and not be so intuitive. Um, and she loved me madly. So yeah. I just want to say that for listeners who maybe had parents who didn't understand their sensitivities or maybe didn't know any better on mm -hmm. how to support them. Yeah. I mean, the job of a parent, there's nothing harder in life mm -hmm. and they do their best. That's what I always say. I'm not going to fault my yeah. parents for the things they did. They did the best that they could. Some things they just didn't know better. Absolutely. Uh, but it's so important if listeners hear this and they were put down, you were put down for your sensitivities. You were too sensitive. You're overly sensitive. There's something wrong with you. Now, especially boys, boys have a really hard time oh, yeah. integrating that into being a powerful man. I mean, to me, the most attractive man is one that is sensitive and strong, mm -hmm. you know, not overly feminized, but sensitive and strong. So I think sensitivity is a power, part of the power of a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, we should probably start with explaining what an empath is for people who aren't quite sure. An empath is somebody who doesn't have the ordinary filters that other people have. So we feel everything. Um, if somebody is feeling anxious or depressed or has back pain or has some other pain symptoms in their body, we may pick it up in our own bodies. When I was little, I couldn't go to shopping malls or crowded places because I would walk in feeling fine and walk out anxious, depressed, have an ache or pain I didn't have before, nervous, whatever. And I didn't realize that when I went in this place filled with people and energy fields that extend way beyond the body, that overlap, an empath, a sensitive, feels that. And so it's quite a dose. If you don't know how to work with that and not mm -hmm. absorb it, it just comes right into your body. We're emotional sponges and we're very receptive to feeling your pain. And so that's one thing as a healthcare practitioner I've had to work with in myself. So when I see patients, I don't absorb their pain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's very possible. And I believe that it's important to hold space for people and not absorb their pain. So you don't need to. It doesn't help mm -hmm. them. Um, and it certainly doesn't help me. Um, but being able to just be with somebody in their space and tune into them without taking on the burden of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So... 
I guess, what is the difference between an empath and being intuitive? Like, as, as you're sitting here, I'm thinking about another scenario I hadn't even considered last night when I was identifying different parts of me. Um, so when I was little, I would know when my dad was sick, he was type one diabetic. Mm -hmm. And I would know if he wasn't even with me, right. that his sugar had dropped low. I even knew where he was. So I would say, you know, mom, dad's stuck at the other mall. Uh -huh. and he can't get to us. So my dad's sugar would drop. He went to the wrong mall. He was supposed to meet us at one. He went to, I even knew where he went, Wow, which was crazy. But from a young age, I, I knew what was happening. Yes. So what is that? Is that intuition or is it both? Well, it's what I call an intuitive empath. It's a particular type of empath where empaths are sensitive and they have these antennae that just feel into the world and feel into people, especially those that you love. And as an empathic child, an intuitive child, you loved your dad and you felt a connection mm -hmm. with him. And so you were on the same wavelength as his body and you could feel him miles away what he was going through in the chain. You're crying. I can't. I know I cry. <laughs> That's so nice that you cry freely. Oh. That's beautiful. I cry too much, I think. <laughs> nah, see, that's the thing, that too much. It's not too much. Oh, my God, Judith, I would cry at work. And people are like, you can't cry at work. And I'm like, I, know. I can't help it. I feel. What am I supposed to do? Shut it off and be a mean, like, cold person? I can't do it. Uh -huh, good for you. Yeah, so. but, but an intuitive empath is somebody who's very tuned in with their gut feelings. Yes. You, you get a gut feeling if somebody is healthy for you or not. Or, yes. Or let's say you're going to get involved with a business deal with them, if it's a good one or not, if it feels comfortable, if it feels right. Yeah. You know, to really tune into the body. Empaths are open to that. And one of their gifts is intuition. And so being an empath, coming into your own power, is listening to that still, small voice inside you. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being identified. <laughs> I always just thought I had like intuitive powers, but I do feel that, that thing. Like even if someone's sick, I can go over their body and I can see where it is. I know yeah. it sounds crazy, but like my uncle, I remember when he got cancer, I flew out to see him. Oh my God, I can't talk. <laughs> and I had a Reiki healer come to work on him and she was working on him in a room and I was off in the other room and I just kind of sat meditated and I started seeing spots. Purple spots? They were red. It was like, to me, I see things in red and green, like good and bad. And so I would see red spots popping up in different places in his abdomen. And I, I knew instantly that was the cancer. So then I was meditating on clearing it out. So I would like focus green good to that. That's just how it works in my head. And every time I'd go around and clean each spot, it would pop back up. And I'm like, oh my God. And I would get so tired and I kept trying and trying and trying. So long story short, my cousin came over and I said, hey, where is your dad's cancer? Because I have this weird thing that just happened and I felt it here, here, and here. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly where it is. And I'm mm. like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then I felt even weirder, but so that's, that's empathic, intuitive. You're an intuitive empath. Exactly. You're an okay. intuitive empath and some intuitive empaths are healers. And so they know how to do the scanning method that you just described in your own mind or with their hands. It's something yeah. I teach people in workshops and how to scan and feel the body and feel differences in the body and then to learn how to heal and send energy. As empaths speak the language of energy, 
and subtle energy. It's called prana, shakti. Um, it's the biofield, but it, it penetrates our body, or qi um, in Chinese medicine. It penetrates our body and goes way beyond our body. So we give off a certain feeling, you know, a certain presence. And empaths can pick that up. Uh, even if somebody is smiling and being yeah. very positive, if their energy field is negative, like an energy vampire, you know, which is something I talk about in the book, yes. very important to identify those people, your energy will go down. You know, as an empath, if I'm around somebody who's draining me, I'll suddenly feel tired yes. or my eyelids get heavy. I feel like taking sick. a nap, sick, you know, like I have the flu or like I can't move. Yes. <laughs> But by the way, when I read this last night, I started identifying people I didn't even realize were. Like That's we good. joke about it when we're out at night. My husband and I will have a code when we're right. around an energy vampire so right. that we can save each other. Yeah. And and so your definition of it was so much deeper and so much more accurate than I've ever seen before. And it it like lit me up last night there was like a light bulb moment <laughs> that's wonderful and that's great your husband could be in sync with you on that point yeah that's very helpful to find somebody you know like-minded person a soul friend or soul relationship to be there yes i feel what you're feeling as opposed to i have no idea what you're talking about yeah yeah well he's an empath as well i was taking he? the test for him too yeah for sure huh. which i think is difficult for us <laughs> yeah to have two empaths in a household yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but empaths know how to pick up energy around people. So there are some people who raise your energy and you love being around them. You want yes. to be close to them. They bring you up higher. And there are others who are neutral and there are others who bring you down. Mm -hmm. And you must learn how to identify that if you're an empath. And even if you're not an empath, you, you know, it's really smart to learn how to identify these people instead of talking yourself out of it. So I know a lot of my patients will pick this up and they'll say, oh, no, I'm just making it up. This is such an amazing person. Now, how can I be feeling drained and horrible around them? No, but you have to honor your own body signals as an empath. If you don't, you'll suffer. As what happens with empaths is they get exhausted, they get anxious, they get depressed. You know, all kinds of symptoms that are exacerbated around an energy vampire. That's another sign that your whatever symptoms you have just flare up yeah. <laughs> and get so much worse where you have to honor this instead of talking yourself out of it say okay my body's feeling this way this i'm not going to make this business deal with this person at this moment i'm going to mm -hmm. process it a little more and find out what i'm feeling or i'm not going to take this job even though i'm offered a lot of money for it i don't want to be sick in this position <laughs> so you know, health is always more important than yeah. you know the money that's coming in so you have to feel harmonious in your own body with people uh with situations with jobs with meditation practice, uh, meditation is very important for empaths to center themselves mm -hmm. and to come back in and, and tune into their hearts, which is the most powerful energy in the world. And it's what feed empaths, the loving heart, you know, what you feel around rescues, yeah. you know, what you feel around, you know, what makes you happy, flowers and nature. mountains and nature. nature and animals. That's nature it. Nature and animals. Empaths <laughs> love nature and animals. Yeah. And so it, it, not that other people don't, but empaths need to be around <laughs> nature and need. animals. Yeah. Yes. When I was reading this last night, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly me. That's where I get my energy. I go out. I, when I'm on a walk, I smell every flower like a crazy person. I'm just literally inhaling mm -hmm. everything and I'm, I'm 
I smell everything. I have a really powerful nose. Empaths so. have a very strong sense of smell. They smell everything good and bad. Yes. And so if they go into an elevator where there's incredible perfume smell, it can feel like you're being nuked. Yeah. Whereas the other person is not an empath. Oh, that's such a sweet smell. And you're dying there in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It made so much sense because I want to talk about the traits of an empath because it's it's the sensitivities to light. My husband makes fun of me sometimes because I can't handle yelling. I can't handle um, a lot of people. I mean, there are moments I can. So then it, I felt contradictory because I can have once in a blue moon a fun experience at a big event. Mm -hmm. And I started dissecting it this morning. I'm like, okay, what big events can I handle when we're all on the same team? Mm -hmm. So at a sporting event, when I have a team that I'm behind and I'm with mainly like my fans, let's say, I feel like there's a better energy with that because we're all united on the same goal. But if I'm at a concert and people are drinking, I went to one the other night and it was an amazing concert. There was one drunk person who literally almost ruined the whole night for me because he was so nasty and his energy was so cruel and he kept bumping and just, and he wanted mm. to start a fight. And I'm like, I, I can't be around this. Uh, uh, and I started getting allergic and I'm like, I want to go home. Yeah, I want to go home now. <laughs> that's your body's symptoms really telling you, watch out, beware. Uh, but then a, a tool for impasse is learning how to set clear boundaries with people. Um, I don't know if it would have been possible in that particular environment, but you could have moved yourself physically away from the drunk person mm -hmm. who was nasty and angry. He eventually moved himself, which was funny because he sensed our energy. That can happen. Yeah. Where they can they can go away. I had an experience the other night in the gym where I, I love working out. And I love tuning into my body. I love that feeling. And there were a number of people in there who were slamming the weights down, grunting, groaning making you know horrible obnoxious noises and i'm you know sitting there going all right what are you what do you what do i do no because you can't really go up to them and say please don't grunt you know and they mm -hmm. make horror anyways I, i'm just sensitive to to, to sounds yeah and that's so why i can't go to the gym either i can't there's too many people <laughs> so i'm better pilates one-on-one -on -one yeah yeah or on my hikes I can't be around all of it. And I didn't understand that about myself. And because I'm such a happy kind of like outward person, mm -hmm. I didn't know that that's what was affecting me. Cause I'm like, wait, no, I'm, so, I'm an extrovert. Why can't I be around all these people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it didn't make you, sense. You can be an extroverted empath and an introverted empath. And that's what I learned last night. Yeah. So tell us why. Yeah, well, an introverted empath is somebody who prefers small groups or one-to-ones, um, really feels drained in large groups or large stadiums and those kind of events, really doesn't, you know, they don't feel happy in those events. But an extroverted empath can go to those events and they love talking and they, they love small talk. That's another thing that empaths have a hard time with is small talk. If it's not going anywhere, mm -hmm. I see you're relating to that. Just, oh, it's so much effort. Yeah. But extroverted empaths sometimes love that. It's just the back and forth. It's the human I switch content. between the two. Maybe because yeah. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do both. Yeah. And so if you're listening, you might be an extroverted empath um, or an introverted empath, but both need time to decompress after being with people. Mm -hmm. And that's important. You just can't keep going, going, going. Empaths make the mistake who are in, you know, very high-powered jobs. They don't take time to decompress or alone time. And they go from one thing to another to another. Yeah. And then that puts them on sensory overload. And then it's painful. 
an empath going on sensory overload or too much is coming at you too fast, the lights, the sounds, the people, the opinions, the anger, the, you know, the feelings, everything, you know, at the, that point, you don't want to get to that point, but sometimes inevitably you do, you need to decrease the stimulation, go in your bedroom, you know, what I do is I go to my meditation spot and I get very quiet. I don't talk to people. I might close the curtains to make it darker and, and no sound, no interactions to bring my uh, sensory level down. And you don't want to make decisions when you're on sensory overload mm -hmm. because it feels like nothing's possible. You know, you yeah. want to, you know, I often think, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, but it's not true. It's just in that state, you have to be very kind and loving to yourself if you tend to go on sensory overload and this quiet it down. But it, most essentially, you need to take the time, the time to have quiet. Mm -hmm. You need quiet time. You can't go from one thing to the next to the next without paying a huge price, either physically or emotionally mm -hmm. or energetically. You just can't. There's no way to do it. And so part of self-care for empaths is learning to take that time now, I have a um, do not disturb sign I put on a room in my house so that people don't bother me mm -hmm. when I need to be alone. And they don't take it as an insult because they know it's not meant as an insult. Yeah. It's just that's what I need for myself. Yeah. That was another big thing that I learned in the book last night was alone time, something I never really understood. Um, and as I was taking my alone time last night, I was like, oh, this feels so good. Mm. I didn't realize I needed this. Yes. And now I feel like I have a huge tool in my toolkit that um, is going to save me. <laughs> it will save you. It has saved me so many times. Yeah. And I was an only child, so I was brought up with that alone time. And I would connect to the moon in the stars, I was always really connected to the moon. The moon mm -hmm. has been my friend and my companion my whole life. I love it so much. I'm the stars. And the stars. I could stare for hours <laughs> and a half. I'd be like, honey, come on, come look at the stars with me. And he's like, no. I'm like, all right, fine. And I'll just go out and sit out there and get eaten by mosquitoes. But I just am obsessed with them. Yes. Oh, it's so, the, the, the there's such a bigger world than our material world. Yes. Such a bigger world. And empaths can feel it. Mm -hmm. empaths can because they're so open and other people can feel that i don't mean to say that you know people who are listening who are not empaths can't feel it you can feel it you yeah. can tune into it but empaths don't have the filters they don't have a way to not feel it mm -hmm. and so everything is just this magnificent experience no, or it can be a difficult experience, but when you get around positive energy of oceans and water, uh, taking a bath is my savior, getting mm -hmm. in my bathtub, having the moonlight stream in. Oh. Through the, I know, it's heaven for yeah. us, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I have a hot tub outside, and when the moon mm. is out and you're in the hot tub, it's, just, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Right. Um, the other thing I was going to ask about, were, I mean, there are different type of empaths. So first, let's get through all the traits so that someone can understand themselves a little bit better. And and in the book, you have a great test to tell you what level of empath you are. So I had 14, which means I'm one shy of like an extreme empath. Right. Um, and uh, there's also one online. But when you guys get the book, you'll be able to take one. And there are different tests throughout to kind of understand yourself. So let's talk about the traits of an empath. Um, and then we can talk about the different types because that was really fascinating as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you can self-diagnose as an empath. So if you take that 20-question self-assessment test, you can find out easily how much of an empath you are, mm -hmm. if you are one or if you aren't one. 
So you just take the 20 questions and some of the, the traits and the questions include, have I been labeled as, quote, overly sensitive all my life? Or do I replenish myself alone versus with people? Do I tend to absorb the emotions of other people or the stress of the people around me? Now, am I an overhelper? Do I tend to help other people so much it, it depletes me? Or do I take my own car places so that I could leave when I please? <laughs> that's a tool for empaths, and rather than staying stuck and trapped in an event when you want to leave. As I often have a, at the most three hours, but usually one and a half hours mm -hmm. is my time where I want to leave. And so I'll either bring my own car places or tell friends if I go with them, you know, I leave early. So you yeah. have to know that about me. Be prepared. Me. Be prepared. Um, and also, do you love nature? is another trait of an empath. Do you feel replenished in nature? Do you dream about forests and streams and animals and hawks and eagles? Do you, do you love that? Um, you know, have you ever been you know, labeled as different you know, or that you don't belong? Now, I often you know, wished for a spaceship to land in my front yard when I was a little girl to take me to my true home. Oh my God, I, I remember reading that. I was like, oh. Yeah. I know, but a lot of people feel that way. You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. in my workshops, I would say, you know, maybe almost half. You know, but these are empaths. So. I used to beg my stuffed animals to come to life. Oh. Beg. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's another story. That's possible. Stuffed animals can take on energy. And, you know, when you activate them, they... <laughs> It become really powerful. Oh, I just wanted one so bad. I was like, please. So when my pets came to me, yeah, I was like, oh, I've really? been waiting for you my whole life. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. But that kind of sweetness and that kind of vulnerability is part of being an empath and that innocence and also the ability to be a healer and help others. Oh my God, I can't get through this interview without crying. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I haven't cried in an interview since <sighs> surgery. That's crazy. <sighs> Okay, sorry. And being able to cry is so beautiful. Crying is a, a release of stress hormones in the tears. It's an emotional release. It's a form of connection. No, it's beautiful. And a lot of people are ashamed of crying. Yeah. Um, I love to cry. I wish I would cry more. <laughs> <laughs> Come hang out with me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, it's beautiful. But being yourself as an empath, knowing the traits of an empath, taking the test, um, and knowing that you prefer maybe one-to-one -one interactions or parties with three or four people at dinner mm -hmm. or maybe two people at dinner, not 20 or 100. You know, so it, it's important to know that. And if it's if it's true, you honor that. These are my needs. You know, especially children who are empaths, you don't want to overschedule them with too many play dates. Yes. You want them to be creative and have their imagination time alone. You you want to give them their alone time. You don't want to tell them, oh, that your friend doesn't really exist. You know, the imaginary one or whatever they're communicating with. Um, you want to encourage your your children to dream. There's a type of empath called a dream empath where you know, they love remembering their dreams mm -hmm. and the guidance they get from dreams. Yeah. I, are you one? Yeah, uh, there were two different dream ones. So I see, I've had multiple memorable experiences where I've had dreams. If I wake up and I remember them, they come true. Wow. But these are like big news events where it was like a shooting at a parking lot at a church. 
And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, where is this going to happen? And it was, and I saw it was in Denver. I knew it was Denver. And then the next day in the news, shooting in Denver. And I knew whether people were okay or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even in the dream, I was like, everybody was okay, but it was a shooting. Or like this boat crashed into a port in my dream in Greece. And um, all I could see were these like long cylinders and people people were okay. And it was, those were the, the life rafts I didn't realize. So I've had so many of those dreams where I started to panic after a while because they were coming so fluidly oh. where, and I was working at the Today Show. I'm like, should I like, am I going to like be ahead of breaking news now? <laughs> like, should, I, I actually told my executive producer and I think that's when he thought I was definitely cracked out. Um, I was like, Hey, so I keep having these dreams. And so I had one last night. Think this is going to happen. Uh, just FYI. And I don't know why I decided to tell a jock from, you know, an Ivy league school, something like that. Cause he definitely thought I was nuts, but I was right. It happened. Mm -hmm. So how did he handle that? Oh, I mean, he thinks I'm a kook oh. for sure. <laughs> so yeah, but we didn't is... have the best of relationships. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But th this is what empaths experience. And to me, it's not a paranormal event that you're able to sense things either about people, about the future, about how to proceed in a situation. You just get a gut feeling or mm -hmm. you get information. And empaths um, who really embrace their abilities, this becomes just a natural part of who they are. Mm -hmm. And when you're a child and you have an intuitive child and it's okay to be that, then they just grow up a very normal adult who's in touch with their intuition. Yeah. It's not woo-woo, it's not weird. To the linear mind, it might sound weird. Mm -hmm. And certainly not all empaths have this ability. Um, but you know, those that do, don't be afraid of it. There's it no scared reason. me. I know. I shut it down. I know, I know. I shut it down. I was like, I can't, this is too scary for me. Yeah. Yeah. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. So if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling depressed or anxious, and you're just trying to keep it together, this is really an important perspective in terms of how you can replenish yourself by rejuvenating your intuition and energy. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that you own that and be accountable for your own energy and what you give off. You have All of us can become energy vampires at times. Now, all of us can be victims mm-hmm. and be judgmental, can be critical, can be competitive, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, we all have that in us. But the great thing about being aware of that is we can catch ourselves mm-hmm. when we get into that. And go, oh, OK, that again, you know, and be very compassionate with yourself and shift out of it. Mm-hmm. You see, the problem, though, with energy vampires who drain empaths uh, are that they're unconscious, and, either, you know, if they're drinking and they're nasty, then that's a terrible combination. I mean, yeah. I would have, you know, for me, I would have just removed myself as far as I could from that person because it just is so unpleasant. Um, and I've left dinner parties when that happens. I've left. You yeah. know, I politely excuse myself when it's just getting out of control. Oh, I, I run. Oh, you do? Yeah, <laughs> I actually ran away from a party once. A couple months ago, actually. <laughs> I was like, honey, door. we're out. 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 And I was trying to be polite and try to be polite because, you know, I, I kind of stick out at these parties because they're like excited I'm here or whatever. And I'm like, I'm leaving right now. And I literally... Well, the second I walked out the door, I ran to my car as fast as I could, sprinted. Yes. Because I was getting bitten. I was, I had bite marks all over my body, Judith, mm-hmm. all over my body. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah. But I, I hope people can get from our conversation that you can give yourself permission to leave. You don't have to stick it out. You can yeah. leave very politely. You could say, I'm tired, or I need to go to the bathroom to get out of a situation. Yeah, let's talk about some of these great excuses we we can use. Because you also were talking about setting your boundaries and that no is a complete sentence. Absolutely. And I love that because I think these are the tools that we need, whether we're empaths or not, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We should be able Mm -hmm. to have 
permission to be adults and to make adult decisions. Absolutely. We, we have to be able to say no. If you can't say no, that's the first training as an empath you need to go through. You need to practice saying no to easy people. You don't start with your mother. The mother mm-hmm. is the hardest one usually. Mm-hmm. And people, my patients always go, oh, but my mother, they go from not being able to set a boundary to doing it with the mother. And that isn't what you do. You just yeah. find somebody who is intruding on your boundaries. Let's say somebody always, you know, pushes in the tag on your clothes and you feel that as an intrusion. Now to be able to say, you know, and I appreciate it if you didn't do that. Thank you. That's it. And so when you set a boundary, you do it very quickly mm-hmm. and you do it with a nice tone of voice. You don't, you're not snippy, you're not judgmental, you're not angry, because that won't work. Those vibes will, you know, really not work for you and will work against you. But if you just say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or I appreciate it if you didn't stand, you know, right in my face when you talk. You know, that, that's a hard one. And sometimes people will get right in your face when mm-hmm. they talk and then start telling you their life stories or, you know, the chronic talker who just like, won't stop and they don't take a breath so you don't know. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I've had people, they turn blue in the face because they won't take breaths. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and But what do you do? These are practical situations for sensitive people who always want to be polite. They're afraid yes. of being impolite. And what do you do? You take a step backward and then what do they do? They take a step exactly (laughs) i know then what do you do in those situations well you can put your foot (laughs) this is what i've done (laughs) i put my one foot out far enough so i do a stance that's Uh like my foot is the barrier now so you can't come more forward Mm -hmm. and then i can lean back on the other leg (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one until i can escape it's you have to learn how to interrupt yeah and that's it's hard. so hard. I know my best friend hates me because I'll sit and talk to the same person all night because I feel so mm-hmm. guilty to leave. Right. I know. But that's draining. Yeah, that's draining. I, I, I won't do that. I mean, so what do you say in that moment? I just say, you know, I'm so sorry I have to interrupt you, but I, I need to go and talk to these other people. Or I need to get to the bathroom or I'm going to an appointment. Yeah. The bathroom's and an easy one to say. Bathroom's great. You can't control that. You got to go. Yeah. And they understand it. It's socially yeah. acceptable. But you want to get out in a good way. You don't have to sit there for two hours or on the phone. You know, another type of energy vampire right about is the victim who calls you on the phone and you've had a long day at work and here you come and the phone rings and here's your friend oh, I had such a horrible day, you know, and my mother doesn't understand me and my boss doesn't appreciate my work and my boyfriend left me again and one thing after another. Is you, that the dumper? It's the dumper. <laughs> and, but you, you wanna, Explain the dumper. That was really cool too. Yeah, the dumper is just somebody who dumps on you all their problems and when you try and offer a solution because empaths are fixers, they say yes, but they're not interested in an answer. Yeah, I, I've cut those people out of my life. Yeah. And some of them are fun and they're sweet people. I just can't do it. I can't waste my energy. I can't waste my good advice in my mind. Right. At least in my mind, it's good advice. I can't waste it if you don't want to hear it. So why are you dumping on me if you don't want any help? Right. Well, they just like to dump. That's just a personality style that you have to learn to deal with if you're an empath. Um, and what I say is that, you know, I could listen for a couple of minutes. I'm really tired after a long day. And you can call me back if you want to get into solutions. Uh, but I'm not able to listen more than two minutes right now. No. And if they say, what kind of friend are you? You know, I'll say, I'm a great friend. I love you madly, but I just can't listen. I'm too tired. That's it. But that in a very short, 
you look surprised i am in shock yeah because i couldn't i couldn't do it i mean i I, i'm sure i could but to me a friend is supposed to be emotionally supportive and if you're putting a boundary of two minutes isn't that saying that you don't care um because how do you how can you advise them if they don't tell you the whole story which takes four hours judith i'm kidding no 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 you have to ask them to just you know get to the point yeah um but if, the, if a friend is going through a real crisis and they need to you to be there, of course you're going to be there yeah. for them. But if they're just going around in their cycle of yes buts and they don't want to listen and you've listened to this a hundred times, you have to say, you know, two minutes. I'm sorry, I can't do yeah. it. Okay. You know? And also you have to say this is too much information because people just unload all this information that you're not may not be interested in yeah you know like for me because i'm a doctor they talk to me a lot about the details of their medical history when i'm not their doctor or i just meet them or somebody you know sent me an x-ray over the email of somebody i didn't know and it's just not something i'm able to do because as yeah. an empath i want to put myself a hundred percent forward you know, for my patients and for my friends. And I can't give to everybody. Yeah. I just can't. And I don't want all that information. And also, if people are long talkers, you know, I'll have to say something about that, too, because I just get too tired if they take a long time to make a point. You know, yeah. get, get to the point. If you want me to respond to it, you know, just tell me quickly. So you have to, the key is your tone of voice. You yeah. don't want to be mean or uncaring. But you do need to speak up. And sometimes people are surprised at that. But this is empath self-care. Yeah. If you don't do this, you pay a price. If you listen for two hours to some a dumper at a party, they might think you're the best thing in the world, but you're going to be sick and exhausted and have an emotional mm -hmm. hangover the next day is what empaths feel. So I'm not willing to do that. I mean, life is short. Yes, you know, it is. Each day goes by so quickly. We want to be 100% present with what we're doing and enjoy our lives. Yeah. And that might mean weeding out some people. I'm going to start managing my dumps because yeah. <laughs> I definitely have dumped a lot in my life on people for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely have in, in really painful moments where I, I can see where I was suffering at work and I had to give you know, my, you know, lawyer, let's say every little detail, he didn't need to know every little detail. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, because I was in so much pain, he needed to know every little detail. Right. And now I understand. I understand that. And even my husband, I'm gonna have to be careful of dumping on him, mm -hmm. which I don't do this stuff anymore, because I really don't have a lot of bad going on in my life anymore, because I've cleared all of that out. Oh, excellent. Which has been nice. Yeah. But um, but that is something really to be aware of for all of us is how much we're dumping on people. Yes, and to be accountable for who you are and what energy you're giving off and to be open to feedback. Yeah. Um, because it's important if, you know, to listen to somebody say, you know, you're really being a victim lately, mm -hmm. you know, or you're really, you know, you know not, not listening, being self-absorbed because one of the empaths is a narcissist. And that's a very dangerous one for empaths, I, I wrote a section, the dangerous attraction between empaths and narcissists. Empaths are people who are very self-absorbed and the full-blown narcissists have what's called empathy deficient disorder, meaning they're not capable of empathy as we know it, uh, similarly to sociopaths or psychopaths. Mm -hmm. And so the narcissist is attracted to the sensitive, open, big-hearted, big-hearted, wants to listen, wants to give you the benefit of the doubt, empath. 
And I've seen the narcissist eat empath up where I do therapy with couples where one member of the couple is an empath and the other is a narcissist and the empath and they have children and 10 years goes by and, and you know, the empath gets physical symptoms and depression and all kinds of things. And then it's hell getting out of those relationships because then they know exactly what to say to you to, to keep you, you in, to mm -hmm. reel you in. So, you know, it's a red flag. You know, I always tell people and my patients not, even if you feel in love with a narcissist, a sudden, you know, soulmate connection or whatever, don't go there. You know, spare yourself that unless that's a lesson you need to go through. It's better to be alone, you know, but it's, you know, they rarely listen to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they go forward the anyway. Chemical, the chemical <laughs> reactions are very difficult, I'm sure, to over overlook. Um Let's talk about empathic illness, because I thought that was really fascinating. There are some illnesses that are very um, um, prominent, I guess, or, or common in empaths. Yes, there are many illnesses that are common, and empathic illnesses are illnesses that you literally pick up from other people or symptoms that you pick up. Like I picked up my brain tumor from my mom's brain tumor. <laughs> I, I don't know that's that for you to explore mm. or your empathy what what happens sometimes is your empathy with somebody going through some, a physical process is so great you want to take it on and I your asked body. for it I said I wish I God you gave it to me because I could handle it better mm. yeah it's, it's a painful way to go but it it, it happens yeah. I mean I've seen animals do that too my dogs took got brain tumors yeah and I got two of my dogs. Yeah, it can happen. And you know, the dogs and animals can be so compassionate. Now, I, I had a patient who had a, a very you know, big problem with diabetes, and she was told not to have a baby, you know, because it could risk her life. And uh, she decided to have a baby anyways, and she had her soulmate dog with her. And the dog, the, the woman got through the pregnancy all right, but the dog got the, the diabetes, and it wow. killed killed the dog and the dog sacrificed himself for you know this uh sole companion of this woman oh you get chills right wow i know but animals can be so compassionate yeah that they well, want to so pure. pure and loving that they could take that on and maybe people are listening going oh you know that's crazy that could never happen but i'm telling you it can, mm -hmm. the compassion can go so deep when you're a feeler, when you're an yeah. empath, and when you love someone so much, you might even want to take it on for them. Yeah, and my mom's dog lost all his hair when she got sick. Yep. <clears throat> Out of nowhere. Yep, yep. And, and for those, you know, sometimes people listen, you know, who, and they don't, it's beyond their their reality to, yeah. to see this. And I just, you know, invite everyone to expand just a little bit to feel the power of love. Yeah. Oh, the audience listening to this gets it for the most part. Oh, okay. All right, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our people, we're all the same. We're all we're all on the path and we all have open minds and open hearts to all of this okay. for sure. And Stephen too. <laughs> um so what are some of the illnesses that are common? I know Hashimoto's, I saw that. Hashimoto, I have that. Yeah, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um Crohn's disease, anything with a GI tract, um, back pain. Um, mm -hmm. because the, the um, spinal cord is very sensitive and you could pick up symptoms you know, into your spinal column. Uh, migraine headaches mm -hmm. are very common. Panic disorder mm -hmm. is common. Depression, anxiety. Uh, all of these just say Kevin and Maria. <laughs> My husband and I have all of these or each mm -hmm. of us have some of them. 
Yeah, yeah. But if they're an empathic illness, then your self-care techniques are putting up the shield, as we were talking about earlier, you know, putting up a shield when you're around people who are toxic. That energy can get into your own body, and if you somaticize, if you take it on in your own body, it can turn into a physical symptom mm-hmm. or depression or anxiety. <clears throat> and you know, as a physician, it makes me, you know, it disturbs me greatly that many physicians don't know how to diagnose empaths. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they just medicate. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Yeah, well, this was something that you talked about. um, Actually, it was page 30 and 31, (laughs) misdiagnosing and how it's your mission to re-educate healthcare practitioners on all of this. Right, because if if you're an empath and you have an empathic illness or partially an empathic (laughs) illness, and part of your anxiety is due to the fact you haven't learned how to shield from other people's anxiety or other people's symptoms, the proper treatment is not going on an antidepressant. It's learning how to shield yourself, learning self-care techniques so that you don't take on other people's illnesses. And how do you Mm -hmm. know if you have an empathic illness? Take the self-assessment test in front of the book and see if you're an empath. And most likely, if you're an empath, and particularly a physical empath who tends to take things on, then, you know, you really need to evaluate yourself in terms of being an empath and not become over-medicated, not become pathologized by the Mm -hmm. medical profession. You know, so many empaths are given diagnoses and pathologized and then they buy into it this is who i am Mm -hmm. this is only who i am and that's not true if you're not an empath then you won't get an empathic illness all right and then people ask me what's the difference between a hypochondriac and an empathic illness a hypochondriac is when you fear illness and so you think you have everything an empathic illness is when you actually take it on Mm -hmm. i mean literally but it's mind-blowing for some healthcare practitioners and the old-time medicine the old-fashioned old-school medicine to to see this but you know this has been proven you know in terms of the workplace it's been proven that emotions are contagious and there's been lots of good research on that and that emotions like fear or anxiety can spread over the workplace just like a virus. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of positive emotions. You know, if you are happy and you come in and you're inspired about work, then everybody gets to feel your good energy. And so emotions spread. They don't stay static in the person. And so if you're an empath, you'll pick it up. And if you have a lot of physical symptoms that are unexplained, I would look into whether or not you're an empath that that can contribute to your physical symptoms. And I know when I get a physical symptom, I'll always examine it, I'll always say, what is going on here? You know, what happened today? What do I need to do to take care of myself more? Mm-hmm. Or if it's my physical symptom, then I'll deal with it. 
But I always ask, have I absorbed somebody else's emotion? Is this emotion mine or somebody else's? How do you really know the difference? Uh, well, I track myself. Um, I notice how I feel before I interact with somebody. And then if I get close to them, I notice if I go through any changes, if I get tired, if I get happier, if I start feeling sick to my stomach or a headache, whatever, I, I track that. And then I notice how I feel when I'm away from the person again. And usually if, you, if I feel better when I'm away from the person, it's part empathic. Wow. Okay. So your suggestion, I guess, is, for example, if, if I'm going somewhere today, before I go, check in with myself, yeah. feel how I'm feeling. Right. And then when I get there, feel how I feel in front of the person, feel mm -hmm. how I feel after. Mm -hmm. And then you know how that part, I guess that's a great kind of meter for whether you want to be around those people again too and whether you want to work with them oh working right? with people you're in sync with are the most it's the most amazing experience but working with people you're out of sync with is hell yeah like resonance and dissonance we've talked about that yeah yeah, yeah. exactly but you can feel that mm -hmm. if you are mindful of your energy shifts in your body as you go into an interaction and when you leave then that's the secret mm -hmm. yeah i can tell danger and, and I can tell if someone's shady and they're going to do something shady Good. really easily. Good. But what I've started practicing is when I'm meeting them, I'll say, do I feel anxiety? Because a lot of times like you'll feel anxiety, like you'll, you're starting to clench or, or your, your hands, you're like, there's a little something running electricity right. through your body. And you're like, where is this coming from? Why can't I be normal? And so I've started tracking that and paying attention to it. That's great. Because then, you know, it's, it's not maybe not the right energy for you oh absolutely because a lot of times it is the right energy for you and you want to spend your time well this time goes by very quickly here on <clears> earth so <throat> you want to be with the right people you want to be in the right situations that mm -hmm. just make your body sing yeah you know, most of the time you know there, there are challenges with everything but you want it to feel right yeah. and as an empath and everyone, you, you can sense that in your body. If you slow it down, the problem is people are moving so quickly. They're out of the, the rhythms of their body. You don't feel that pulse of life, you know, your intuition. So if you slow it down mm -hmm. a little bit, you begin to feel it. You begin to connect. Or if you don't know how to do that, get into a bathtub and just soak you know, get into mineral springs and just soak. That'll quiet you down or have a massage. That will bring down the stimulation level. Because if you're always going faster than your natural rhythm, mm -hmm. then you're out of sync with yourself. Yeah, I. Um, that's another thing you mentioned earlier was overscheduling. And I got to see different times in my life. I remember some of my happier times were when I got to act on a movie. And it wasn't necessarily the acting. It was the fact that because I wasn't as strong in that area, I had to give it all my focus. Mm -hmm. So I cut everything else out of my life. And just having one thing to focus on felt so good for me. And anytime I got to do that, I was happy. And then when I'd go back to my frenetic, do a billion things, and ah, right. Right. I, I felt so unhappy. And so in this experience since my surgery, I've really worked to pace my scheduling and have more breaks and um, you know, now when I'm overheating, I'll sit down, I'll do a 16 minute, 16 minute meditation, hypnotherapy session, right. and just 
catch my breath and rejuvenate and it helps so much. But over scheduling is something we've all learned to master with the the age of multitasking and right and all of that. And it's just so unhealthy for us. It is. I mean, sometimes you just have a lot to do, so you have to do it. But how you do it is important, too. Well, and for how, the period of time, too. Yeah. You can't yeah. do it forever. No, and, and you don't want to because the more you get in touch with yourself, the more you want to have more open-ended time to enjoy life and look at the birds, you know, and the smell the flowers. You, you want to do that. You want to do that. But, mm -hmm. you know, maybe for a time period, you haven't learned that yet. So you need to just go really fast and, you know, I certainly went through years of that where I had so much to do, seeing patients, going to nursing homes, going to rehab facilities, you know, doing just, you know, you know, but I wanted to do it. Yeah. You no, know, at that point. But right now, no, I don't want to go that fast. I want to feel things more. I want to replenish myself. So it depends on what phase of life you're in. No. And also, if you have a lot to do, you can do it with smoothness and kind of a Zen-like calm versus tensing up. That when the mind gets involved and it tells you all these negative stories about how your day is going to be when you first wake up, oh, I have so much to do. How am I going to do it? Then you start the day off. You know, I, I don't think that's a reverent way to start the day. But if you start the day with a little prayer or a little check-in, you know, I go to my meditation spot and just meditate for a few minutes so I can start from that place. Mm -hmm. You don't want your mind ruling you. Your mind will just get all frantic and you know, how will you do it? And you'll get breathless and you'll be yeah. stressed out. You don't want adrenaline rushing through your system all the time, burning out your neurochemicals from, you know, from stress. That's what happens. You want to have the endorphins flowing. Even if you have a million meetings in a day, you want to do it calm. You want to do it, you know, have the two minute breaks between the meetings. You don't want to just go from one to the next to your phone, to your scheduling, to your notes, whatever. You don't want mm -hmm. that. You need to have stop space, breath, then onward. And that could make all the difference. The mini tune-ups can make a difference yeah. if you have a busy day. I like that because I think a lot of people, we all will get up and look at the calendar and get overwhelmed. Panic. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. But also I, I really like your take on the fact that there are going to be times where you have to push your body and do all of that yeah, and that you don't yeah. look at your time when you did work that hard as negatively. No. So sometimes I feel like, oh, I was doing it wrong, but really it, it's just wrong now for me. Right. Exactly. And I like that. Yeah. That's yeah. an important distinction. It is. It is. And it depends on what phase you are in your life. I mean, sometimes you can be in a phase where you have a lot of things to do and you have a lot of creative things to do mm -hmm. and you need to show up and you need to be present and you need to bring yourself to it. I mean, that's all can be exciting depending on your attitude mm -hmm. and how you carry your energy. If you freak yourself out with your mind, it won't be any fun. Mm -hmm. No, and you want to have fun. Yes. Fun is important. You don't want to get overly serious. And sometimes empaths can get overly serious because there's just so much to deal with. There's so much overload. You know, and, and it's not a negative thing to be an empath. It's an extremely positive thing. Yeah. But you have to learn self-care and then expand your gifts. Let go. Be uninhibited. You know, just tune in you know, to the universe and see where it takes you. you know, listen to your intuition. Don't pay so much attention to what other people think of you. You know, unsolicited opinions are toxic and people offer all kinds of opinions about how you should be, how you should feel, how you mm -hmm. should dress, you know, whatever. You know, then don't listen to those. 
things, that they're misguided. You need to listen to your inner voice. As an empath, you need to trust yourself. It's not a popularity contest. It's not a consensus. It's just what you feel. Yeah. What feels right for you? Can I respect what feels right for me and myself? And have the courage and the daring to say, no, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to do it this way. Thank you for your opinion. Yeah. yeah. It's very empowering when you do that. Absolutely. Well, I think just knowing all of this is empowering and, and identifying it. You know, you talk about um, some other things that were really fascinating, like uh, woundmate relationships. I'd love for you to expand a little bit on that because I think that an empath, you talk so much about empaths partners and how important they are. So let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that because I've never heard of that before. Oh, you can choose a woundmate partner and those are people who you have similar wounds with. And so let's say you were abused by your father, you're attracted to someone who's abused by their father and you bring that damage to a relationship without awareness, you know, if you don't do therapy or you don't try and work through it and you punish each other with your own wounds and you get stuck in those relationships and the I ideal thing is to learn from the wounds and to not be in a woundmate relationship, but to recognize if you are in one that the attraction to this person is do you have a similar wounding. So what, how do you punish each other? <sighs> if let's say you were abused by your father and you have a problem with intimacy and you can't have sex because you're not able to do that, um, you know, you might punish your partner by withholding sex or, you know, something like that, where you're not mm -hmm. aware that you're doing that, you know, or if, you know, you're angry and you dump anger because you were angry at your parents and you dump it on your partner, that's a punishment. Mm. You know, that's all anger from the past working through you and you're punishing your partner with your unresolved anger and your partner will punish you with it too. Wow. And so it's a very unhealthy uh, kind of uh, sadistic relationship, but you just, you know, with kindness, with compassion, you notice you're in one. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just <clears throat> about awareness and it's about, all right, what can I learn from this? You know, it's not a healthy relationship. Maybe I need to shift out of it or we need to go into couples therapy or whatever. Mm -hmm. you no, know, but you need to do something about it. You can't just stay in it. Yeah. It's not healthy. Um, and then there's the empath-empath relationship, um, which is interesting. You know, I could never do that. My partner is definitely not an empath. Mm -hmm. um, it would be too overstimulating for me to be with somebody else that would have as many feelings as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be too I much. know. Kevin literally will say to me, he's like, what, what are you doing today? I need to bite you in the neck. And I'm like, uh, honey, you can't bite me in the neck with all your stuff. <laughs> right, right. So you, you have to have really clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. And if each of you are emotionally triggered, you have to go off into your own spaces and not look to one another to help heal it. And so you, you have to know how to decrease the stimulation that could come from um, being overloaded. Let's say you come home and you're both overloaded. You yeah. need to go your separate ways, not process it with each other. Because two empaths on overload, it can be like, you know, setting fire to hay. Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You also talk about, um, well, you had, the other quote was, your soulmate can be your soulmate. I thought that was hilarious. Yep. Um, but you talk about sleeping in separate bedrooms is okay. This blew my mind. I've never heard that before. Ah, 
Okay, well, sometimes empaths don't like to sleep with their partners or they want to sleep with their partners just a few days a week or it could be any variation, whatever you're comfortable with. Because if the partner thrashes around or snores or carries a lot of anger or um, emotions that are unresolved, when you fall asleep, if you're close to them, you'll pick up on it. And I've had, you know, a patient who was getting her PhD and her partner was, you know, she needs to focus and her partner was angry all the time. She said, you need to work on your anger. I can't sleep with you. And then finally she said, you know, until you, and he was resisting, and until you work on your anger, I'm going to sleep in the guest bedroom. And he didn't like that at all. So that motivated him to work on his anger. Ooh. So, you know, that's just one way. But, you know, for instance, in, in my relationship, I, we'll sleep together maybe three three nights a week. Because I need my dream time. I remember my dreams every morning. I need to not talk. I need to be separate. Um, and this can change week by week. This is not fixed. But, you know, he, you know, he sleeps in one bed. I sleep in another. Or um, then when we sleep together, it's really wonderful. You know, so it's you have a choice. Uh, a lot of empaths get stuck in beds with somebody that they're unhappy with. I mean, they love their, their partner, but they don't, you know, there's too much is going on at night you know, when they sleep mm -hmm. um, and they're afraid they're going to insult their partner or they're afraid they're going to reject their partner. And it is a creative conversation, you know, that I counsel people how to have the conversations. Um, but it's an important conversation to have. Otherwise, you're a prisoner in that bed. And that's not fun, you know, if you have a snoring partner or a thrashing partner. Yes. Oh, my God. This has so home because Kevin and I argue we're very different in bed. So he wants to work in bed. He wants to eat in bed. Ooh. He clinks and clanks because he's <laughs> klutzy. So he drops things. He um, definitely snores. Sorry, honey. Um, and I'm – I any noise just triggers me. And he is like – he feels like a prisoner because I can't handle it. And then I feel like a prisoner because I'm like, wait, he's like, put headphones on, put an eye mask on, put all these things on. I'm like, I, I can't sleep like that. That doesn't work for me. So then sleep time becomes very difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you need to compromise, you know, with, with what he's doing in bed. Uh, but you could also get a very big bed. We do. Giant bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and some empaths don't like the cuddle clutch. You know, mm -hmm. some do. Some love to cuddle. But, you know, I had one patient who described that she was caught in the cuddle clutch all night. She wanted out. She couldn't get out. So these are just real life situations where you need to tell your partner, I don't enjoy that. Yeah. You know, I need to sleep on the other side of the bed so I can have my space. Mm -hmm. you know, sleep conversations are important um, to reach some kind of compromise, you know, or if you're chronically tired, which happens to some empaths, um, you, know, you need to get a good night's sleep. You don't want to just turn to sleeping pills to, you know, go to sleep. Yeah, you or just walk around suffering because you haven't suffer, slept. Or suffer, you know, being overtired. But mm -hmm. most, or a lot, I won't say most, but a lot of empaths do as they don't know how to have this conversation. So just talking about it and knowing it's okay to have this conversation. And, you know, some, some empaths love living, living in different wings of the house. Now they, I've heard every variation of how empaths can live in their really? living situations. Yeah, different wings, different bedrooms, separate offices, you know, a separate sleep space, uh, you know, anything is fine. You just need to kind of talk it out with each other. 
you know, and how to make it work and tell your beloved, I love you. This isn't about me not loving you. Mm-hmm. No, I love you more than ever. And I'm going to be in better shape for you if I can get a good night's sleep. Yeah, I know. I also have to deal with my dog situation because I can't sleep with them. They don't let me sleep very well. Oh, but I feel okay. bad putting them downstairs on alone. Judith, I have about a thousand more questions, but I'm not going to energy <laughs> vampire you more. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, I uh, I recommend the book to anybody who's um, who's interested in in getting to know themselves better. And if you're listening to this, it's probably because you have a sneaking suspicion you are an empath, um, and or maybe you're with one and you can understand better how to be with them. But um, Judith, before I let you go, we always ask everyone, what is one thing you're doing to get better every day? Is there something new you're taking on or? It's always going deeper within myself, you know, in my meditation practice, you know, expanding my heart more, being a little bit more compassionate with myself and others, taking care of myself better and always looking up and never just looking down, always looking up at the stars and, and making sure I have that time to connect with the universe and, you know, beyond any concerns of this world know to take care of myself in that particular way and that sparks my creativity and wellness i love it thank you so much you're welcome all right i hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as i did i hope you got to maybe see yourself maybe learn a little something something steven smiling real big in the studio uh okay so before we go i'm just going to share this one part with you so it's a self-assessment actually how do you know if you have met an energy vampire here are some morning signs you feel tired and want to go to sleep you're suddenly in a terrible mood you feel sick you don't feel seen or heard you reach for sugar or carbs for a boost you start doubting yourself and becoming self-critical you become anxious angry or negative when you didn't feel that way before you feel shamed controlled or judged I'll have one of everything, please. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. So That's triggering. That's a trigger. And paragraph. what we have to watch out for is we can also be the energy vampires. Yeah. And so I try I try so hard now, thanks to you and Kev. <laughs> but like I notice it now. At least like when I'm doing it, I'm like yeah. wait a second, what am I doing? Yeah. Well, and I try like to apologize. The thing for is it. when we start to realize it, like even when she was talking about dumping, I'm like, oh shit, I used to dump. Oh my God, I got to watch out to make sure I don't continue doing that. And on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Oh uh, God, I hope I you guys so have an amazing week. Enjoy your day. Enjoy all this newfound knowledge. Get this book. I promise. This is my favorite book I've read in a long time. Um, yes. And I think it will be really helpful for you. If you want to learn more about Dr. Orloff's services and resources, as well as purchase any of her books, including the Empath Survival Guide, you can visit her website at drjudithorloff.com. Oh, and remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment.
Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.